Welcome to the Healthy Hormones for Women podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Gladish, online nutritionist, weight loss coach, and hormone fixer-upper. I'm excited to bring you a weekly dose of information and inspiration, sharing with you simple and effective strategies from health, wealth, and all things personal growth. Get ready to become the master of your hormones and experience vibrant health to live a life of more power and possibility. Welcome back, everybody, and happy Tuesday. It is a finally nice weather. Oh my God, I went for a walk this morning with a tank top on. Like it was just the best feeling. Sun on my skin, got a little bit of color, nice little glow going. Oh my God, I was so pasty white. I'm still pretty pasty white. I got to get this this tan on. And it's just amazing. Like this weather makes me feel so good. I literally bounce out of bed when I like open my eyes in the morning and see that sunshine coming through my curtains. I'm just like so pumped to get up and go outside. So I went for an amazing walk this morning and I tuned into some podcasts this morning, which I hadn't done in a really long time. I feel like oftentimes when I'm in my creative zone, when I'm in like deep creation and focus and projects and all the stuff on my plate, I'm really conscious of the information I'm taking in versus what's going out. So I haven't really tuned into podcasts in a really long time. And somebody asked me the other day, what podcast do I listen to? And I don't know if you guys will be so interested in them because I feel like I listen to a lot of business and marketing podcasts. I don't listen to as many nutrition podcasts anymore because, you know, this is my everyday, right? I have my own nutrition podcast. I'm doing a lot online with nutrition and wellness. And so it's kind of nice to just listen to something else outside of my space and kind of get me outside of my own world. So I do listen to a lot of business and marketing podcasts. If you're interested in any of them, I'll share some of the ones that I love. So the Unstoppable Entrepreneur Show, I love that one. I do listen to Impact Theory, which is kind of a combination of health and wealth and all kinds of good stuff and personal development. Um, I do love the quote of the day show, short and sweet. Those ones are really great with Sean Croxton and the Joe Rogan show or the Joe Rogan experience. Sometimes I listen to that and online marketing made easy. And I also do really love the Life Coach School podcast. That's a really, really good one for personal development. So those are some of the ones that I've been tuning into lately. So if you're interested, check them out, but they are definitely more in the business and marketing space. And also I'll sometimes listen to Dave Ramsey. He's really good. The Dave Ramsey show, he is in the US and he talks a lot about finances and wealth and debt and all of that. And he has this program where he helps people get out of debt. And it's just really cool sometimes listening to their testimonials and the stories of some of his clients who have been like, you know, they had like multiple six figures of school debt and like how they paid it off and stuff like that. And it's just kind of cool listening to those stories. So sometimes I like tuning into that. And he's got some really great episodes on finances and wealth and savings and all that kind of fun stuff. So some of the stuff he shares doesn't really apply to us here in Canada, um, but still tons of great information you can take away from it. All right. So outside of that, I want to share two things. I've had lots of women reaching out saying that They've been overdoing it on the alcohol and the carbs and the sugar during this pandemic, and they're looking for a bit of a reset. And so I highly recommend that if you're feeling a little stuck, if you're feeling a little sluggish and heavy, head on over to holisticwellness.ca forward slash sugar detox and come join us in the free sugar detox in the free program. It's 
five days. It's delicious. You're going to get hooked up with an amazing meal plan and it'll be a nice little way to just reset your body maybe help you get back on track. And the foods are, like I said, so delicious, easy to prepare, and you and your whole family can enjoy them. So if you're looking for a bit of a detox, nutritional detoxification is where you want to go. It's not about taking all these fancy herbs and stuff like that. You really want to focus on eating anti-inflammatory, clean whole foods. That is the first place to start with detoxification. And that's exactly what I've done in the five day sugar detox challenge. So head on over there. The URL again is holisticwellness.ca forward slash sugar detox. And also I want to share about let's get checked. This is an amazing online resource where you can order at-home health kits and tests and do them in the comfort of your own home. And they just ship them right to your house and it's really easy to do. And one of the reasons why I love it is because I know a lot of people right now are feeling uncertain about heading out to the labs and whatnot. Um, So you're at home and of course, thyroid testing is something I speak about a lot. So they do have a full thyroid panel that you can order directly off their website and it will test your free T3, your free T4, your TSH, as well as your antibodies. So it's really great. It's a simple at-home test. They have a lot of amazing tests. They have fertility tests, progesterone tests, HPV testing. You can test for celiac, colon cancer screening, omega-3 tests, your iron cortisol, all kinds of stuff. So it's really, really great. They have a whole list of different women's health tests and you can actually save 20% off their website using the coupon code healthy hormones. So make sure you use that code, you'll save, and then you'll just get the tests shipped right to your house and you can do them in the comfort of your own home, which is really fantastic. All right, let's dive into our episode now. I'm so excited for this one. I know you guys are going to love it. I have invited my friend Alyssa here today to talk all things gut health. She really is a gut health expert and there's a lot we dive into. We talk about why gut health is so important and why somebody might be experiencing digestive issues and when they really need to start worrying about those issues and those symptoms and how the gut is connected to your hormones and different hormonal imbalances and autoimmune conditions. We dive into SIBO, the different symptoms that can arise with SIBO, what to watch out for. And we also talk about the low FODMAP diet. What is it? And is it something that's really helpful and will fix your gut? So my guest today is Alyssa Lebrecht. She's a former opera singer, turn nutritionist, and gut expert. After watching Crohn's and colitis run rampant in her family and while personally suffering with IBS for years, Alyssa was tired of the food fear bloating like she was pregnant and either waiting to poop or waiting to stop pooping. After following a responsive, sustainable gut repair system, she successfully fixed her gut, lost 70 pounds, and is now touted as the poop queen amongst her community worldwide. Today, Alyssa helps people struggling with IBS, SIBO, gas, bloating, diarrhea, and constipation feel normal again without following the restrictive diets and being medicated the rest of their life. This small town Ontario gal with a potty mouth is on a mission to break the stigma around poop talk and get you loving and trusting your guts again. I know you guys are going to love today's episode. And if you have any questions, don't hesitate to connect with me over on Instagram at Holistic Wellness Foodie. And you can head on over to our website, holisticwellness.ca to grab our show notes from today. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Alyssa. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm super pumped to be here. 
This is going to be such a good conversation. I know our community is so excited to learn more about digestion and optimizing gut health. So you are the expert in this area. So before we dive in, can you share with our community more about who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I always kind of joke around with my clients. I didn't just wake up one day and was like, oh, I'm going to talk about poop the rest of my life. <laughs> you so did? I'm actually, I did. I know. <laughs> I'm actually a trained opera singer. And at the time, I was witnessing my sister struggling with colitis. She was diagnosed in and out of the hospital. And I'll never forget this one time she had been admitted into the hospital and I climbed into the bed with her and, and I was like, it's going to be okay. And there's got to be a better way. And I started searching. I went home, started researching, contacting all sorts of doctors and naturopaths and nutritionists online. And I kept coming across nutrition. And quite honestly, what I realized was my gut was a hot mess. (laughs) And I thought that it was normal. My fluctuating diarrhea, constipation on occasion, the bloating, anxiety even. And I just dismissed it. And I started to really work on changing my gut, healing my gut, and ended up becoming a registered holistic nutritionist through that process. And today, I help people who are struggling with IBS, SIBO, gas, bloating, diarrhea, and constipation to be able to feel normal again without having to follow restrictive diets and be medicated the rest of their life. That's amazing. There are so many people that need your help. So I'm so thankful for you and all the work that you do. And you basically, it, you sounded like you listed off the, pep, the Pepto-Bismol commercial. Right. <laughs> A heartburn diary. Yeah, right. That commercial. Yeah, yeah. check, check, check. Right. So why is your yeah. gut health so important? And if someone isn't experiencing digestive issues, because this is something I find across the board is like, well, I don't have gas. I don't have blue. I'm fine. Like it's, it's all good. What do you mean gut health? What do you mean my digestion is off? You know, if someone's not experiencing these issues, like, do they need to worry about gut health and digestion? Yeah. What does that look like? So such a great question. And I feel like it would be a massive disservice to not just kick this right off by diving right into poop. (laughs) Let's (laughs) do it. (laughs) Let's do it. I'm rolling up my sleeves. No one can see this, but um, okay. So, so here's the thing with our gut. Our gut is so incredibly important. And a lot of people don't realize they have gut issues because throughout North America, especially we've really normalized a lot of symptoms like gas and bloating that's kind of normal. That's what we've, we've been taught, right? Especially it's, it's almost humorous, especially when men do it. Right. And (laughs) so, so this is kind of the problem is we we've normalized the gas and bloating. And then when we get kind of funky poops going on, we're not really exactly sure what a good solid, perfect poop, as I like to call it should look like. Okay. So let's just define that so that we all can get a clear picture of whether you are nailing down your poops or not. And then we can talk about why this is important to care, even when you have perfect poops. So perfect. I love this. You should be pooping about two to three times per day. That's normally where people gasp. They're like, really? Yep. (laughs) Yes, really. You have about two to three meals per day. Three cars go into a car wash. You should have about three cars come out, right? Same thing with your food. About three meals go in, three poops should come out. And in terms of quantity though, you know, we really want to make sure that it's not just these small little pellet poops or it's not loose like gravy or even oatmeal texture. So 
you should be pooping in, in quantity from your elbow to your wrist every single day. You probably got that's a lot usually of where like, I get like what? a silent. Yes. Oh, like, totally. Headlight. Okay. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, you can carry up to 20 pounds of poop in your colon. And if you're not eliminating all that poop, that's absolutely going to affect your gut, but also your hormone health. So why does this really matter? Well, your digestive system is kind of like the gas tank to your car, right? It distributes the fuel to all your other systems, like your cardiovascular system, your endocrine system, et cetera. So if your gut is not functioning properly, you're not digesting and breaking these foods down properly, you're going to be operating on a deficiency. And this is where we start to run into health issues. I really like to liken it to a car, right? Your gut is just like your car. Your car has gone through all this wear and tear. It's taken you your whole life to get here, right? And it's why we do maintenance on our car right? Same thing with our gut. We should be doing maintenance on the gut. Now we do these oil changes on our car to prevent breakdown of the engine, right? You'd never skip an oil change, especially not for the life of the car, because if you did that, eventually you'd need a new engine and and that's just expensive. So we're like, fine, I'll do the darn oil change. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So when it comes to our gut, our gut goes through all this same wear and tear. Again, taking your whole life to get here. And so what happens is, again, it starts with this minor wear and tear, but the big problem being, because we've never been taught how to actually do maintenance on our gut, we get to this point where our, our symptoms start to snowball. So you might be sitting here listening to this and getting the odd occasional gas blow. Poops aren't always perfect, but for the most part, you're nailing them daily. And if you're not doing maintenance at any point, then it will start to snowball, okay? So maintenance on your gut has to happen. Otherwise, you will, it will catch up with you. And it, when it does catch up with us, it starts to affect other bodily systems. That was a great analogy. I love how you broke that down. So what does maintenance actually look like? Okay, so that's a really great question. And um, it does vary a little bit depending on the person. And especially if you have a history of gut issues, something like SIBO, for example, um, you know, that's going to look a little bit different. But general maintenance looks like maintaining your good bacteria maintaining your enzymes, making sure you're breaking down your foods properly, also maintaining the integrity of the gut. So things like the intestinal lining. So making sure that there isn't intestinal permeability or leaky gut going on. So preventing that from occurring. And then also addressing our minerals. So this is something that so important. So important, mm-hmm. so important. If you are listening to this, you've got, you know, period cramps, if you're bloating, if you've got the like diarrhea constipation during your through from ovulation through to your period, like you've got to be looking at your minerals. I'm happy to dive into two what happens to our minerals through our cycle, but um, in terms of maintenance, maintaining your deficiency, like looking at the deficiencies that are going on and maintaining healthy balance is so critical. Love that. Okay. You said so many things that I want to dive into there. Yeah. <laughs> so 
let's start with the minerals. Maybe you can expand okay. on what that looks like. And I'm sure like our audience, they know I'm always talking about things like zinc and magnesium and all of this, right? So yes, let's dive yeah. in. Yeah. Okay. Tell us the importance of our minerals. Okay. So again, your, your gut being the hub, sort of the distribution center of your nutrients and minerals in this case, to be able to be sent to other bodily systems, right? So again, the key is making sure you're not just eating pumpkin seeds for zinc, you got to make sure you're absorbing those nutrients. So that's why, again, we got to love up our gut. But in terms of minerals, what we see is that deficiencies can really have a big, big role in the symptoms that we're experiencing. And so I'll just share with you uh, around our cycle. So for women in particular, about a week before our periods hit, our copper levels double. And when our copper level levels increase, that really sends a bit of a mess through our, our other minerals, right? What that does specifically is it increases sodium, it decreases potassium, and it also decreases magnesium. Now you're probably like, that's nice, Alyssa. What the heck do these things do? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what does it matter? Right. So totally. Let's, let's unpack this a little bit. Well, what we've seen with it doesn't mean that you have enough sodium, but elevated levels of sodium, comparatively speaking to your potassium. So if your potassium is lower than your sodium level, this will create anxiety. This is a contributor, I should rephrase, is a contributing factor to anxiety, right? So if you're the type that you find when your period starts to come around, you get a little hairy, like getting worked up around stuff and right, you're antsy. snapping, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're <laughs> chewing on your, your husband's, you know, <laughs> he didn't wash the dishes right kind of thing. Right. It might be your minerals. And this is where women have been told that we're her, we are hormonal. Is it we're hormonal or do we have mineral deficiencies going on? Right. Right. So that's one example. Now, Sodium also is really important. Think of sodium as what helps us to absorb our water. So if during that period cycle, your sodium levels increased, you're going to experience likely some bloating too. Okay. For sure, which is so now, common for so many women. Absolutely. Absolutely. Potassium, magnesium, these are important for muscle function. So this is where we start to run into constipation, diarrhea, cramping, if you're getting those real bad period cramps. So overall, guys, all to say, don't guess. Test. You need to test. You need mm -hmm. to get your minerals tested. And this is where I find, you know, what's even more beneficial, we'll say, and more targeted than something like just a general multivitamin is getting tested to see, okay, this is exactly what mineral I need, right? And things like multivitamins, you're most often just peeing out your money. Right. Um, but if you have an actual deficiency, there's such a small amounts in that supplement, it's not enough to course correct a deficiency. For sure. And if you also have elevated levels of a particular mineral, then any more of that isn't going to be helpful either. For sure. So test, don't guess. Awesome. So in terms of testing, what does that look like for somebody? So for mineral testing, I recommend for our clients hair mineral analysis. Uh, that's, that's typically the test that we recommend. You, depending on where you're located, because everyone asks, where do I get that? Right. <laughs> it yes. really depends on where you're located. If you're in the States, um, it's a little bit more readily available in Canada, a little bit trickier, but there are some great third-party labs online that you can order from. 
Okay. Amazing. That's really, really great. And then you mentioned, okay. So speaking about sodium and potassium, I'm trying to get into the mind of my client right now. Who's probably like, so do I just go eat a banana? Like, what do I, what do I do? (laughs) What does that look like? Yeah. So great question. And again, until we know where your mineral levels are at, it is guessing. And I feel it would be, again, a massive disservice for me to make an assumption and make some random sure. recommendation if that's not in service to someone's individual body. And having said that, let's say for argument's sake, there is something like low potassium going on. Let's say you've had a test done. Holy smokes, we're low in potassium. What do we do? Um, Again, taking an individual approach, I'm not, I don't love food restriction. I don't like elimination of food. I think that we need to take an individual approach for each person. Absolutely. Okay. Now I'm going to speak and say for some people, bananas are not the route to go because they're a bit higher in sugar. And depending on what you're working through, something like a banana might be too sugary if there's an overgrowth of bad bacteria. Okay. Bananas are known for potassium, but there are so many great foods that are also rich in potassium, like uh, avocados. My fave. Mm -hmm. Right? Plantains. One of my favorite, instead of a banana, I do green plantains. And you slice those babies up, put a bit of coconut oil. So good. And you can, yeah, do a bit of coconut oil, lots of cinnamon, and you fry those up in a pan. If if you can do a little bit of maple syrup and it caramelizes, it's delicious. It is so good. That's a better swap. Amazing. Now you can do uh, plantains. There's also things like kombu, which is an incredible seaweed. If you're at home and you're already whipping up bone broth, if you're not, I encourage you to, you can add kombu into your bone broth and kombu is really rich in potassium as well. That's a great tip. You know, I have it in my cupboard and it's like one of those things that's just in the back of the cupboard and I always forget to use it. Oh my God, I'm so going to do that next time I make my broth. I'm totally adding that in there. So thanks for that tip. Herbal teas, right? Just get that stuff in you. (laughs) Right. Awesome. Mix it in. So you mentioned the gut being connected to hormonal imbalances. We know the gut plays a really big role in autoimmune conditions like Hashimoto's. Mm -hmm. Let's dive into that and really try to understand that connection between the gut and our hormonal health. Yeah. I think, you know, we, we need to really look at them as a system that works together. And I think you probably see this too. A big mistake that people make is they realize that there's some sort of hormone imbalance going on. Maybe they've even had testing done and they've confirmed, okay, yes, there's an imbalance. And so they try to just attack the hormone imbalance with supplements, right? But we have to understand that hormone imbalances are a symptom, Right. And we really need to get to understand, well, what's causing that hormonal imbalance to happen in the first place? Otherwise, we're just managing the symptoms. We're not preventing or reversing or regaining quality of life. So one of the causative factors in our hormones going sort of out of whack is our microbiome. A fancy term for our our good bacteria, sort of the state of the bacteria in our gut. Okay. So these bacteria, they play a really big role in hormone production. Okay. They produce all sorts of hormones. And so if your bacteria are out of balance, then this is where we can start to run into hormonal imbalances. Now I'm trying to again, put myself in the listener's ears or in their head and sort of 
I imagine you guys are wondering, okay, well, how does my microbiome get out of balance? <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so um, remember, wear and tear on your car is just, just like your gut. We got wear and tear on the gut happening. So stress over the years, these, this accumulates stress. And for those of you that are listening, you're like, nope, I'm cool as a cucumber. <laughs> I don't stress about a darn thing. Right. I'm going to ask you this. Do you have a busy mind? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and usually people answer yes. So stress, busy mind, antibiotic use at any point in your life, eating the same foods all the time, which is why restrictive diets are not the answer. Um, not drinking enough water, maybe too much coffee or alcohol. Even things like not getting good quality sleep and others that are completely out of our control, like aging and environmental toxins and travel. So all of these stressors can throw off your microbiome. And when your good bacteria become depleted, and along with that, often your stomach acid, this leaves the doors wide open for bad bacteria to come in and take over. So usually what we've seen through studies, if, if there's a hormone imbalance going on, there's usually a bacterial imbalance. Um, what type of bacteria needs to be tested, right? And so this is one of the main ways hormone imbalances start. Now, when this starts to continue, we can develop things like leaky gut, okay? Just a fancy term for tiny holes in the gut lining. But essentially what is happening when leaky gut is present is food particles and toxins are now leaking through the gut into the blood system. It's like dirty oil in your car, that like dark, gritty, sludgy, sandy oil. That's what's happening in the blood system. And when this is leaking, what happens is estrogen ends up staying in circulation. And this is one of the reasons why we see estrogen dominance. So your gut is, is connected to hormones in many, many different ways, uh, even right down to if your gut is out of balance, it can start to affect insulin. So you can develop insulin resistance also happening in your gut through your microbiome. Uh, 90% of your serotonin, your happy hormone is produced in the gut. If you're not sleeping well, right, we can start to see melatonin becoming affected. And so all of these things really tie back to the state of your microbiome, how well you're digesting your foods and what types of overgrowth of bad bacteria have come in and taken over. Oh, that was so good. I'm writing down a whole bunch of notes because I'm like, I have all these questions to dive into. Okay. That was amazing. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier SIBO. Can you tell us mm-hmm. a little bit more about this? I feel like people get really confused with what SIBO means or even just identifying if they have it. So tell us more about SIBO. What are some of the symptoms to watch out for and how somebody might actually get it? Yeah. So it's sort of a continuation of this wear and tear on the gut that it eventually just starts to snowball is, is the, I would say the first, first starting place where people start to look at, look in the SIBO direction, right? Um, now there can also be other things like if you have, again, I want to just backtrack for a second. We need to look at the conditions that are happening in the gut because if the conditions are not right, in other words, you don't have that defense system. Remember your good bacteria and your enzymes. This is where we start to run into these damage and deficiencies that allow things like SIBO to start to come in which leads to then there can be certain events like stressful. Like I have people that have been through traumatic events. They got into a car accident. They 
you know, got the flu and they never really recovered from it. Right. You can have a large event that sort of tips you over the edge. It's like the straw that broke the camel's back. Okay. So all of the, these types of stressors are what then sort of increase your chance of having something like SIBO come in. Now, what is SIBO? Uh, essentially, when these imbalances are going on, it starts to affect your overall motility in your bowels. So how fast or slow they're moving. If your bowels are moving too fast or too slow, this allows bacteria to get trapped in the small intestine and they start to overpopulate and grow. And that's what SIBO is, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So when we start to talk about... Um, what symptoms are happening from this, it's really quite similar to that of IBS and just general digestive issues, but usually they're much worse. So if you are getting bloating all day long, that's a sign that there might be SIBO going on. That's more bacteria. If you're just bloating after meals, this is more due to an enzyme deficiency. Okay, so this is where you'll see if you look it up, what are the SIBO symptoms? Everyone says bloating. And so that's where it gets confusing. That's how you differentiate between those two. Okay, bloating 20 to 30 minutes after meals versus all day long. The other thing about a SIBO bloat is these bacteria are hanging out in the small intestine. And that's right in the middle of your digestive system, right between your mouth and your bum, right in the center, kind of right under the rib cage is where your small intestine is. And when SIBO starts to overgrow, they give off these two different types of gases, methane and hydrogen. And it's like blowing your intestine up like a balloon. <laughs> now, this no is where, fun. <laughs> no fun. A lot of people with SIBO will say they feel like they've trapped gas in their stomach. It can create a lot of pain. So if you have pain, that's sort of a differentiating factor. But this bloat is next level bloating. This kind of bloating in severe cases of SIBO will make you look pregnant, okay? We have clients that look like they're seven and eight months pregnant because of the SIBO, okay? So again, very different than just a mild heavy feeling or mild distension that you would get from not breaking your foods down. Right. Now, constipation and diarrhea are also definitely present when SIBO is there. And usually the differentiating factor with our bowels is if you feel like you're trying everything and nothing is responding, right? You're right. taking probiotics and it's making you feel worse even in some cases. It's not because probiotics are bad or that they don't work. It's that you have this overgrowth of bad bacteria in your stomach and you send in a bunch of these good bacteria, send in the good troops, and it's like World War I happening in your gut, <laughs> right. right? So these are some of those symptoms that you want to watch for. And the only way to tell if you have SIBO is through testing. This is not something you want to guess on uh, because the protocol is involved. It takes time to really rebalance the gut. And the big mistake that people make is they start with following restrictive diets like low FODMAP. Right. And the thing with that is it's not the food that's the problem. It's your gut. It's the damage and deficiencies inside your gut. And if you are trying to eliminate foods, thinking that it's going to make you feel better, all that's going to happen is you're going to run out of foods to eat. So, so true. you've got to address the gut. Okay. I love that. Um, you're going to need to have a conversation with my fiance, Gaytan. We go back and forth all the time because, you know, if there's, if we're going to put a 
title on the way that we eat is very paleo based. Yeah. Yeah. But I also went through, you know, I went through many years of working on healing my gut and digestion and optimizing autoimmune and recognizing some trigger foods. So I eliminated Mm -hmm. those grains and beans and things like that. But at the same time, I still reintroduce them. I'm at a point where it's not that I never eat them. It's just I'm conscious of some of my trigger foods, but I also recognize the importance of variety. And so Mm -hmm. I bring those foods in. Whereas my partner is like, oh, beans. No, I'm never touching those ever again. Right. (laughs) And I'm just like, it's not the food. Yes. And of course, if you never eat them and then you go and you eat them, yeah, you might feel gassy. Yeah, you might feel a little bit bloated, but that doesn't mean that you should not ever eat them. So you need to have a conversation with him. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think the really important thing that you said there was my trigger foods. Right. Your trigger foods, you've identified... It's not that you were like, I'm taking out brown rice because brown rice is bad and you know it's right. bad for hashi or whatever. Yes. It wasn't like that. Yeah. It was this particular food is eliciting a response for me right now. My body's not appreciating it. I'm going to take a break from it and focus on variety in these other areas. And, and that's what I think is so, so key. And then yes, work on reintroduction after you fixed the damage and deficiencies. So, you know, that's the thing with, with elimination is it's something to be really conscious of because a lot of people develop food fear and even disordered relationship with their food. And it's something again, why I'm really, really keen on let's not label, let's not eliminate, let's just listen to your, let's create the Sam diet, you know, yeah, like what's totally. the Alyssa diet? Let's yes. do that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I love that. That's, that's so key. So, okay. You mentioned low FODMAP. I'd love to go here because it seems like so many people are talking about low FODMAP and the low FODMAP diet. And now I'm even seeing in supplement stores, like there are low FODMAP supplements and food products and like, it's crazy. So mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on low FODMAP? And is this something that's actually going to fix your gut? Yeah. So great question. Again, I'm going to, I always, I like scream it from the mountaintops. <laughs> it's not the food. It's your gut guys. <laughs> it Love is it. your, your poor gut. This, can you imagine your car? You take it on this road trip. You had the time of your life and you come home and, and you don't ever do an oil change on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine even no oil change ever on your car? you would not get away with that. <laughs> You'd not and go very far. your body is not going to let you get away with that, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, please, please, it's, it's, not about, it's not about restriction. So low FODMAP. The interesting thing about it is, is sure, um, some people, they take some of these foods out and they feel better. But again, it's not because of the broccoli, let's say. So low FODMAP will limit the amount of like broccoli and cauliflower that you're eating. Right. And actually, maybe we should just mention like what, what is low FODMAP? What does it mean to be on a low FODMAP diet? Like what are we actually eliminating? Yeah. So great question. So these are uh, what you're eliminating are foods that have been, that are easily fermentable in the gut. I forget, it's okay. like fructo, oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polysaccharides. Yep. I think, yeah, I'm like, I think yes. that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, polyols. Yeah, you nailed it. Right. Okay. So these types of these types of carbohydrates, they easily ferment in the gut, according to Levon Map, and they will increase your chance of abdominal pain and bloating. Got it. 
is is the theory. Right. <laughs> and is and the there theory. is yes, yes. <laughs> so there is there is a lot of people, there are, sorry. That's that's good. Yeah, there are a good. lot of people that will eliminate these foods and yes, they'll they'll they feel good. But the second they have so much of a sniff of that food, right. those symptoms come rushing right back. You know, that's the true testament. That's the real test of whether something is really, truly correcting. And maybe we can get into this later, but this also then speaks to um, like acid reflux and antacids, proton pump inhibitors. A lot of people get taking these things and they're stuck on them for life, right? Mm-hmm. That's another talk we'll get into. Yeah. But um, so the thing about low FODMAP diet is they have you restricting certain foods, things like onions, garlic, um, artichokes even, um, and li- then restricting or reducing the quantity of some foods like broccoli and cauliflower. Okay. Now, a lot of these foods actually help to feed your good bacteria. Right. And help to eliminate bad bacteria. So restricting foods like broccoli, like broccoli is not the problem, guys. Do we really believe that broccoli is causing your body pain, a food that's meant to be nutritious and healing for the body? Right. I think we're really missing the mark there, right? So the other really fascinating thing is I find there's a lot of protocols and programs out there and practitioners that are promoting low FODMAP diet for those that have SIBO and even IBS, and then giving them garlic supplements to eliminate bacteria. <laughs> it's like, well, your own program contradicts itself. Like you're right. telling you don't eat garlic, but take this garlic supplement to get rid of some of the bacteria. Like it's just, you know, this is where... Um, it just doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense. Right. Yeah. Have you seen some of those like low FODMAP salad dressings and things like that? Yeah. Like FODI, I think is. Yes, Foddy, that's right. There's the, like low FODMAP fiber. And it's like, guys, it's just guar gum. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> don't fall into, guys, this is what we call like health washing. It's almost yes. it's marketing, right? It's marketing. And um, yes. I I know how frustrating it can be. Gosh, I am sure your listeners, you guys are trying everything. It feels like you've tried everything and nothing has worked. And I'm saying this with so much love and compassion because I've been there myself. But in my experience, most people have tried everything but fixing their gut. It's so true. It's been symptom management tools they've tried a lot of. Right. Stimulants and things. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, when it comes to, you know, quote unquote, fixing, going back to what you said earlier is like going on the proton pump inhibitors or the using the Pepto-Bismol or the Tums. And that's going to be the thing that's going to help me. Meanwhile, it's, Mm -hmm. it's doing more, more harm than good. So I'd love to go there and talk about that. You talked about acid reflux um, and, you know, heartburn. So what is the problem with using products like this, Tums, Pepto-Bismol, and what can we actually do naturally to really support Mm -hmm. these these symptoms and these issues? Yeah, great question. So I think the the thing we need to understand is what's actually causing the acid reflux. And this is where I, I ask people every single time. Before you were given, you know, told to take Tums or Pepto-Bismol or proton pump inhibitors, whatever medication you're taking, antacids, did your doctor test your stomach acid levels? Probably not. 100% no. 100% no. They don't do that. Mm -hmm. 
And I've had clients, they'll say like, oh yeah, he did. I'm like, what, what did they do? And they're like, well, they did an endoscopy and they said that the gut lining was inflamed from acid. I'm like, no, 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 that's not testing your stomach acid levels. That's just seeing the damage that's happening in your gut. And, and the assumption is that it's too much acid. Okay. So how do we get here? When again, that wear and tear on your car, wear and tear on your gut, you become depleted in enzymes. What that means is every time you eat your foods, foods are not being broken down properly. They sit in the gut and they rot and they ferment. Not the good kind of fermentation. We're not talking about sauerkraut right now. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and this, this, is, this creates this gas buildup. It's one of the reasons why we bloat. But when those food particles, imagine this, guys, undigested food particles sitting in your gut, they keep rubbing up against the gut lining. We have this mucus layer that protects the gut lining, and eventually that wears out, and we get these tiny holes in the gut lining, that leaky gut right? But that inflamed intestinal lining is now exposed and it's raw and, and it's tender and sore. So this is a lot of the times why people get that pain in their gut. And when those foods are fermented and they're creating this gas buildup, it often puts pressure between the valve or on the valve that's between the esophagus and your stomach. And although there can be low stomach acid, there's still enough acid in there that it splashes up and it hurts and we get acid reflux and heartburn. Right. So let's just say for argument's sake that you do in fact have too little stomach acid determined through testing, <laughs> right? Right. Let's just say that you do. If your doctor's given you some sort of antacid or you're taking Tums or something like that, then it is further worsening the problem because you're further becoming depleted. To be crystal clear, I, we are not telling you to come off your medications. Do not come off your medications. Don't do that. You need to talk to your doctor if you decided to do that, and your doctor will guide you through that process. And what you can do alongside that is work on reestablishing healthy enzyme production. One of the things that I love to recommend is apple cider vinegar. Mm -hmm. Okay, so apple cider vinegar is fantastic. Make sure that you buy the delicious fermented version with right. the good bacteria in it, the one that says with the mother on it. Mm -hmm. So important. <laughs> uh, not, yeah, not the like stale, dead apple cider vinegar with no name brand on it. Don't get that one, okay? But get that really good one with the mother. And what you're going to do is take a tablespoon of that and you'll dilute it down in about a quarter cup of water and you'll take that about 10 to 15 minutes before each meal and what that's going to do is not only help to reduce inflammation in the body help to get you some good bacteria but it also helps to stimulate enzyme production what a cool little trick from a powerful food i love it and it's so cost effective yeah it's amazing yeah we have that in our fridge yeah. i don't think we never we ever go without it. It's always there in the fridge or we use it in our salad dressings. And yeah, yeah. I love that. Okay. Wonderful. So in terms of Pepto-Bismol and taking Tums, like what, mm -hmm. what is the issue with these? I mean, we know it's basically, it's a Band-Aid approach, but yep. what might be some of the issues and why are we really, you know, long-term using these, we're actually not going to get the healing that we're really looking for. Yeah. Well, the big thing is, is again, it, it is reducing your stomach acid. And right. and that is in turn hindering your digestive ability. Right. Now, oftentimes things like Tums and Pepto-Bismol, they have some other fun ingredients in it. It's not <laughs> totally. just about 
it's not just about that they reduce your acid or that they're antacids, but they have like I'm thinking of the bright pink. I know <laughs> color Ugh. of Pepto-Bismol, and I'm I'm just kind of wondering how did we get here? Uh-huh. Food coloring, <laughs> right? But food colorings and these are all synthetic chemicals, right? These this is not in service to your health, and in a lot of cases what we find is there's going to be more inflammation and other symptoms that are going to come from some of these non-medicinal ingredients that are in these products. That's totally aside from the fact that it's missing the mark on addressing what actual damage and deficiencies need correcting in your gut. Awesome. Yeah. I remember so many years ago, I did a hair analysis test on one of my clients and bismuth came back so high. And for the longest time I was like, where would you be getting bismuth from? And then it was like, oh, you take Pepto-Bismol every single day. (laughs) Yeah. So that had to go. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. These are the kinds of things that testing can provide you, but it's incredible to see what some of our daily habits um, or how are some of our daily habits might be impacting us. One of, one of the things I found from my hair mineral analysis test was I was plant-based for many, many years and I ate a lot of canned beans, quite honestly. Right. <laughs> and I had elevated levels of tin in my body. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. It's so crazy. And so, well, we, we, we cook our own beans now for the most part. For sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think about, cause we use a lot of cast iron. I mean, that's all we cook with. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just like, I, I'm curious if my iron is actually maybe too high or I'm, I'd be curious yeah. to go test that because again, we use it every day, sometimes three times a day. Right. So. Well, and here's, I'm going to add this in here because I think your listeners will appreciate this when we're struggling with hormone imbalances. One of the common things that I hear is low iron, anemia. Right. So a lot of people go out and they buy an iron supplement, Mm -hmm. right? But why is your iron low? You need stomach acid to absorb iron. Just another reason why our gut health, yeah, is so key, so important. Um, So, you know, supplementing is definitely important, but also understanding how can I ensure that I'm absorbing these nutrients that I'm depleted in? For sure. And I mean, zinc is so important for our acid, our stomach acid. And do you ever do the zinc mm-hmm. tally test? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Absolutely. Maybe you can, you can share with our listeners what the zinc tally test actually is. Well, I'll tell you the zinc test that I, I usually recommend, you can get the zinc liquid. Yes. And the zinc liquid, what that does is you just take, I think it's a teaspoon. And I haven't done this particular test on myself in a while, but you do the teaspoon of this liquid. And what you're going to look for is a taste. If you have this sort of metallic taste in your mouth, then that tells us that you have enough zinc in your body. If you don't taste anything at all, that tells us that you're really depleted. Mm -hmm. I remember doing it and I could, I'm like, I could just drink this whole bottle. It's water. Cause I was so zinc deficient. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, you know, someone else would drink it and be like, that tastes disgusting and metallic. And I'm like, I don't taste that at all. So yeah, it's a really interesting test. And again, super cost-effective to really help you determine your, your zinc levels. Totally. Awesome. All right. So probiotics, I want to go here for a minute. When it comes to purchasing a probiotic, what are we looking for? Does the, you know, the billions count? How many billions of bacteria is in there? Like, what do we really want to look for? Is more better? Is less better? 
Mm-hmm. What are your suggestions? Okay. So uh, this is such a loaded question. I know. <laughs> there, I mean, every single person is different again, because there's, we have over a thousand strains of bacteria in our body. We're actually made up of more bacteria than we are cells. We have 10 to a hundred trillion bacteria in our body. And so probiotics, it's not a question whether they're important or not. You are mostly made up by them, right? right? So probiotics are important. And also, if you have tried a probiotic and it made you feel worse, it, again, is not something to be feared. There's a good chance you need to look in the SIBO direction. And in that case, there are specific strains that you really want to start with. And there are many strains that you want to avoid initially. Okay. Let's start with sort of an intro to probiotics so that you, you know, when you go to the health food store and you look at like the wall of like trillions of bacteria. Yes. Yes. And you're like, why is that one $5 and that one's 60? Totally. So there are two different umbrella groups of bacteria. The first one is lactobacillus. And lactobacillus strains, there's all kinds of, think of it like an umbrella. Underneath the lactobacillus umbrella, there's all these little personalities that hang out. And they all have different benefits for your body. So lactobacillus acidophilus is one really common strain, single strain of bacteria that can be beneficial for the body. Now, lactobacillus strains, they tend to help um, sort of upper GI, so your small intestine, tummy issues, and you're um, going to want to look at getting a variety. So there's not going to be one any like one particular strain that is going to be the be-all, end-all. You need to make sure you're getting variety. Now, the second umbrella group is bifidobacterium. Now, bifidobacterium, underneath that umbrella, again, all these tiny little personalities like (laughs) bifidobacterium bifidum. And underneath your bifidobacterium category or umbrella, these strains, I want you to think about hanging out in the colon. So think B for bum. All right. These strains are helpful for any sort of colon support. If you've got constipation, diarrhea, then bifidobacterium strains are going to be important for you. So when you go to a health food store and you're evaluating what to look for, generally speaking, it's important to get an experience of a little bit of everything. (laughs) Taste the rainbow, as I like to call it, right? Right. Um, Make sure you're getting variety and rotating your probiotics. So that's about as deep as we can really go aside from figuring out what specific strains you need, depending on your individual circumstances. (laughs) Yeah, that's really, really good. I love that. And then lastly, just from a nutrition and food perspective, I know you've mentioned many times that you want people to have variety, but do you find that there are common triggers kind of across the board food wise that, you know, are, are really causing a lot of issues and symptoms and, and what would those look like? Yeah, hundred percent. So uh, what we focus on is swapping out inflammatory foods. So there's three really big categories that makes people cringe a little bit, but it's totally <laughs> doable. Let me right. talk to you about it here. So it's dairy, gluten and sugar. Yep. Okay. We got that out of the way, <laughs> right? Everyone is always really nervous about hearing that. And when I hear someone say that they're like, oh, I couldn't do that, that tells me you need more support. Okay, you just need more support. It's become such a habit to grab a loaf of bread. And it doesn't mean you can't have a loaf of bread. We just swap the ingredients. There's literally nothing you cannot have. 
You cannot, there's nothing you cannot have. You want pizza, you want pasta, you can have it all. Yeah. And there's ways to swap it in a delicious way. It also does not mean you need to eat cardboard tasting food. That's often a sign that you're eating the processed version of the gluten-free <laughs> category. <laughs> I love that. I'd like to think that, I mean, we're over a hundred episodes into our podcast. I think I've prepped my audience enough for gluten, Amazing. dairy, and sugar-free. Oh, so, so good. I think we're you there. Are the yeah. people. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. So awesome. Those are the, the ones that I would definitely start with. Amazing. Okay. I love that. Well, this was so informative. Thank you so much for all of that. I really appreciate it. Where can our audience find you and connect with you? For sure. So I hang out on Facebook and YouTube the most. So on Facebook, you can catch us on our Facebook page at Alyssa Labrack gut expert, and you can come on and hang out in our free Facebook group. If you're needing some support with your gut, it's called the love your guts dash IBS support group. And you can also hang out with us on YouTube. We post videos weekly over there at Alyssa Labrack gut expert as well. Amazing. We'll have all of this in our show notes and everyone can grab them over at holisticwellness.ca. So thank you. Really appreciate your time today. You're welcome. Awesome. Take Thanks care. for having me. No problem. Thank you so much for tuning into our episode today. You can connect with Alyssa on Instagram at Alyssa Lebrecht gut expert. You can also find her on her website, alyssalebrecht.com. And we will have all of this information over on our website and our show notes, which you can grab on the website, holisticwellness.ca forward slash episode 108. I really do hope you learned a lot from today. And like always, you can connect with me on Instagram at Holistic Wellness Foodie. And if you haven't left us a rating and a review, we would love it so much to hear from you. It means so much to read those reviews and to see those ratings. It means that you guys are really enjoying our show. And it also means we can impact and support more women globally. Thanks so much for being here today. I'll connect with you all next week. Enjoy the beautiful weather and get outside. Take care. Oh.